0: Everyone and welcome to Dallas Hoops Fancast, a podcast for Mavs fans. I'm your host Sydney, and I'm here with my co-host Martin. Hey guys. You can follow the show on Twitter at Dallas Hoops Cast. you can follow me on Twitter at underscore Sydney Myers, and you can follow Martin on Twitter at Martin L Myers. Remember, you can listen to new episodes and read exclusive articles at Dallashoopscast.com, where you can also read the latest breaking news. I'm working on a new article for dallashoopscast.com. It's going to come out in January. I'm really excited about it. I think Mavs fans are going to like it a lot. But in the meantime, there's an article up where Martin listed his top five games to watch for this month. And that's a monthly series. So in January, he'll have his next top five games to watch for that month. We're going to talk about the Maverick schedule in December, for, well, for the rest of, the, of December, because it is brutal. Um, but first, I wanted to show, start the show off with a little bit of trivia. I shared this on Twitter and it was so amazing. I just feel like I have to share it here in case anyone listening is not following me. So uh, it's about how the Mavericks got their name, which you probably know, um, they came into the to the league, a local radio station hosted a contest contest and invited Mavs or fans to send in submissions for what they thought the name of the team should be and then they sent those submissions to um, Don Carter and they could choose the name. So once the name Mavericks was chosen, the fans who suggested that were entered into a drawing to get season tickets. But what's interesting is the number of people who suggested the name Mavericks, would you like to guess, Martin?
1: 77.
0: 41.
1: Just as good.
0: I mean, no better <laughs> that completely blew my mind when i saw that because i when i saw it i was like no what are the chances i know yeah. i was like no freaking way and i had to i found an archived version of an article that was published on nba.com so i know it's legit and it said this very thing that the number of people that wrote in and submitted the name mavericks 41 people
1: and for those of you that don't know
0: we're Mavericks fans.
1: No. For those of you that don't know, <laughs> Dirk wore the number 41. Oh,
0: yes. I feel like that is also just as obvious as, yes. as being Mavericks fans.
1: <laughs> you ruined the joke. The joke was going to be how obvious. No, I made you, it better. You ruined
0: it. I made it better. Anyway, another little tidbit piece of trivia. The Mavericks' first game as a franchise was against the San Antonio Spurs. Did you know that? And they also won that game, which I thought was interesting because I was like, man, I can't imagine after that game, everyone was like pumped up and like, yeah, we're here. We have arrived and, you know, we're going to be competitive and all this stuff. And little did they know that, you know, the Spurs would be like the big brother, as Dirk called them to the Mavericks. And the Mavs went on to go like Four and 16 or something over their next 20 games it was not a good start but we got that win
1: we got that all one the losses that we've win. had against the Spurs we, we got, got that, that win
0: one. anyway just some trivia it's a uh, research I was doing for that article I was talking about that's coming out in January there's some other little nuggets that I've been finding that are super interesting that I might share on Twitter but anyway I wanted to start with that so something else I shared on Twitter, uh, Twitter, moving on to the actual topics for the podcast. I asked this question because, I don't know, I it sounds crazy, but I feel like it's legit. The question was, are the Mavericks a championship team? And I know when you hear that, it's like, whoa, slow down. No, they're not. But I was like, I mean, seriously.
1: So are you are asking, they? are they contenders or... Could this team win it all?
0: I mean, I guess in the question, I'm I'm saying, could this team win it all? Now, now, when I ask that, I don't even know if I believe that, but I think I think it's worth. I think they're at the point where it's a conversation we can have. I think we're at the point where you can say it, and someone doesn't think you're a complete idiot.
1: Well, you know? I mean, they're they're the third in the West record wise. Yeah, they are tied. Well, they have the, the number one offensive rating at 116.9 points. One per of the one, greatest
0: offenses of all time.
1: Per 100 possessions.
0: Of all time.
1: Yes. They are currently 14th in defensive rating. And that, uh, I, it went up to 12 for a minute and then uh, back down to 14. I think yeah. after the Kings game. Well, and
0: I thought at one point they were 8th in defensive no, 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 rating. No, oh, okay. I,
1: no, I don't think they ever got that high. But net rating, they are currently tied for second at 9.4. Yeah. Well, let's look at these teams here, the The top 10 teams in overall net rating. Okay. Number 10, you have the Denver, Denver Nuggets. A lot of people would say they're contenders. Mm. Number nine, the Houston Rockets, another team that a lot of people say are contenders. I don't. Well, for the sake of argument, let's just say that most people consider these teams
0: to be- Well, I don't. <laughs> Next. What's next on your list?
1: That's the end of the list.
0: (laughs) What's next on the list?
1: Number eight.
0: Wait, we're already on number eight? Oh, did you start at number 10? Okay, clearly I wasn't paying attention very well. Okay, continue on with your list.
1: Can I just start over my point here? Oh, okay, sure. Okay, so if you look at some of the the top 10 teams in overall net rating, and I think that uh, going into the season, most of these teams most people thought were contenders. And this is kind of the level of play that they're playing at right now. Number 10, you have Denver Nuggets. I think a lot of people consider them to be contenders in the West. Maybe not win it all, but contenders. Uh, The Houston Rockets are number nine, obviously the the same way. I mean, they have James Mm -hmm. Harden. People thought they got better with Russell Westbrook. Mm -hmm. Then you have Philadelphia at seven. Toronto at six. Most people didn't see them there. The Clippers at five, Boston at four, Dallas at three, well, actually tied with Los Angeles for two, the Lakers and uh, Milwaukee at number one. So most of those teams, people thought coming into the season were going to be the top or the best teams in the league. And the Maver- Mavericks are right there with them. So can they contend? I definitely think they can contend with a lot of these teams. They've beaten some of them already. True. Can they win it all? I don't know. I think it depends on depends on Porzingis, in my opinion, because when you get deep in the playoffs, everybody's good at defense. It's who can score despite how good the defense is, and you need people that can put the ball in the basket. I know Luka is one of those guys. Porzingis is going to have to help.
0: Yeah, I think um, you know when I think about it, that's a good point about are they contenders or can they actually win it all? Because I think there is a difference there. Um, and so when I think about it, I, I kind of relate it back to like the Thunder when they were sort of young or, um, other teams like that, kind of like the, the, uh, trailblazers maybe last year or the Warriors when they hadn't won yet, they were still kind of young. Like, you know, as a, as a fan of those teams, you felt like, yeah, we're really good. I mean, these guys are amazing. We have, we're winning 50 plus games. Like, yes, we are contenders, but as a person on the outside that, you know, maybe knows what it takes or has seen what it takes to win a championship, you know, like, they're just missing that thing. And you you don't quite know what it is yet. You just know that they're too young. They can't do it yet. And so, as a Mavs fan, I think, yes, they are really good. And Luca, I feel like, can do anything. And, you know, the offense, the defense, the net rating and all this stuff. But I have to, like, if I look at it objectively, I think you know they're they're like those teams that were really good but were just too young and they couldn't quite get over the hump yet.
1: The only I agree 100%. But I feel like Luka is on another level. Like yeah. if you if you're looking at the the Thunder, the young Thunder, a young Durant, the argument could be made. In fact, the argument is there is no argument. Luka's yeah. better than Luka's Durant.
0: Than he was at And he that. was at
1: this age. Yeah. yeah. And it's not even close. Yeah. Same with uh, a young Steph Curry, a young Klay Thompson, all of these younger teams. Yes, those superstars were kind of becoming who they were. Yeah. But Luka is just already at another level. I'm not saying he can, I mean, he's got to prove it in the playoffs. And I think it's a lot to ask for a 20-year-old second-year player to dominate in the playoffs. But if anybody can do it.
0: It would be him. It would yeah. be him, yeah. So when I posted this on Twitter, I got a bunch of responses, and so I wanted to share them, and then we can also you know, go through and share our thoughts. And one guy brought up the point that you just brought out about experience. Daniel, I'm going to mispronounce his last name, so I'm just going to say his at. It's at Dizzy underscore 214. He said, I think the gap is experience. We haven't been in those dogfights to know how to come out uh, the other side. I think we'll get our hearts broken once or twice and then become a dynasty. And I think that's kind of like what you're saying. It's just that experience of Mm -hmm. what it takes. Like, you you know, these players know basketball. They know how to play. They know how to be good. They know how to shoot and rebound and all that. But there's that experience of, like, what it's like in the playoffs and how you take your game to the next level. And we saw that against the Clippers, like, they had an ex- another level, and the Mavericks don't. And I think that experience is something that – it gives you something that you. it's not tangible.
1: Yeah, and I don't know if – I think you, you look at any of the, the great teams in history of the league, uh, I doubt any of them won it all their very first year of being great. They probably – like yeah. Jordan got eliminated by the Pistons, I'd I think say, two years in a row.
0: Yeah, I was thinking only the Celtics is the one I can remember with yeah. Ray Allen and Garnett and –
1: well, that was a little different because you had the, the uh, you know, accumulation. They were already veterans. Yeah, and yeah. you had three stars at that point. Um, but, even but, yeah, the they Heat, were already veterans. Yeah, even you
0: know. the Heat didn't win their first year. Right. Yeah.
1: And uh, so, I don't know. I think it's a lot to ask. I think a lot depends on uh, – or a lot depends – how far they go in the playoffs kind of depends on the matchups. Yeah. Who they, who they go against. And
0: that was one point. So, the other tweet I was going to bring out from Jeremy Morris um, he said Clippers are really, really good. They're built for playoffs and we don't match up super well with them, but there isn't really any more uh, moves that al- allow us to match up well outside of adding someone like Drummond. So in terms of like trades, could they get better? He said, I, I, I say we roll with this, we can hang with anyone else. And so that was one point that I was making is like, the Clippers are the only team that really scares me. And so if, it, like you were saying the matchups, if they fall the right way to where the Mavs don't face them until maybe the conference finals or maybe not at all, then I think that really helps the Mavs. But you
1: know, the Mavericks have seen what the Clippers did. That same kind of style of defense. They've seen that since that Clippers game. True. And they broke through it. I mean they saw it with the Lakers and Luca really struggled in the first half. But in or really in the first quarter, in the second quarter he kind of figured some things out. Yeah. In that Lakers game in Los Angeles. So I mean, who, who knows? Let's see what happens when we play them again. We see them again uh, this month, I believe, um, or maybe next month. We have the Clippers again. Yeah. And let's see what happens. I mean, maybe the Mavericks have figured something out, and maybe they don't scare us at all. But, I mean, am I saying they're going to beat the Clippers? No, I don't believe they would in a no. series. I don't think they would beat the Clippers. I think they could take the Lakers only because of the, the style, the matchup um, is kind of in the Mavericks' favor because the Lakers just don't have shooting and Carlisle is the king of beating teams that don't have shooting.
0: Well, their zone defense, yes. it takes, like you have to be able to shoot threes. Yep. And so it's it's not quite as effective as it used to be because most teams can shoot threes, but against a team like the Lakers, yeah. you can zone well, and they don't and have it, shooters. The
1: zone also prevents people from getting in the paint. And
0: yeah. that's
1: what LeBron, his primary thing is getting into the paint and then Either finishing in the paint or dishing out, they've beat LeBron before with the zone because of that very reason. Yeah. So I think the Lakers would be a favorable matchup. I don't think.
0: I think the Rockets would be. I think we
1: would beat the Rockets, yeah. the Nuggets,
0: the Jazz, the
1: Jazz, no, the, like, the Suns. I don't. None of those teams scare me. Yeah. I think the Mavericks are better than all of those teams.
0: Yeah, like I don't want to get cocky or anything, but just I, I feel like I'm looking at it objectively, and yeah. I think they could. Beat the right now, I don't know, I mean the everybody hand, beats the Rockets in the playoffs. True. I mean on the other hand, I, I could I wouldn't be surprised if the Rockets beat them. The
1: Rockets got beat last year by the Golden State Warriors without Kevin Durant. Yeah. They got beat by the Spurs. They just lose in the playoffs because the Harden effect. He's not as good in the playoffs. I don't care what anybody says. He's just not as good. Well, they
0: don't call fouls the same way, and yeah, it's a problem. Here's another good comment um, from JH at underscore J. Actually, I'm just going to do JH. (laughs) I'm going to mispronounce all these. Okay. He said, uh, need another star. I don't think Porzingis will be that guy and and one one guard that can be a really great defender. Now, we've talked about Porzingis. He's obviously struggled this year. We've said in the past that we don't think that this year is going to be any indication of what he'll be like for the rest of his career. But I guess if we are talking about are they a championship team now, then, yeah, th- this well, year is Well, that's what I relevant. said. It does
1: depend on Porzingis. Yeah. I-, I do believe he is a superstar. I still believe in him. He just might not He's be just that not, this year. Yeah, maybe not this year. Or, or maybe later on this year, we see a little bit more of it. Yeah. Um, You know, one guy tweeted that uh, he can feel his Porzingis breakout game in his bones. Yeah. And it's like, to me, that's the best way to describe it. That's how I feel. At some point, he's going to break out of all this, and it's going to click, and uh, things are going to move forward. So I don't believe they need another star. Um, I think you just need quality role players, and, and role players that actually can hit big shots in the playoffs. Yeah. Or in big games, because... Really, how you win in the playoffs is you have role players that show up in big moments. They're not stars, but they show up in big moments, and that's what helps you win. So I think you need to get those guys. I think they have Porzingis and Luca. said. I think that it's the other guys that matter. It remains to be seen. Maybe some of the guys they have are those people. I, I don't know.
0: So he brought up they also need a guard that can be a really great defender, And so this kind of goes into trades because part of my question when I tweeted this was if they're not contenders now, what moves do you think they should make to become a contender? And so that's why he brought up uh, getting a guard that could be a really great defender. Like, do you agree with that? Do you think they should be like a lot of people brought out um, like this one comment from at Ashish Airy, I am sure I mispronounced that, but he, a lot of people said the same thought. He said, I like what we have. Their chemistry is so good right now. I don't want to trade any picks away. If anything, we just need an elite rebounder or someone to lock down the paint. But that idea of like not wanting to ruin the chemistry, a lot of people said the same thing and I kind of feel the same way. So it's like, yeah, they need to make improvements but I'm so afraid to mess with the chemistry.
1: Well, it's the right kind of improvements. I, I don't think we need a elite rebounder. I think uh, our rebounding is actually pretty good uh, this year in the league. We're tenth right now in rebounding percentage. In um, defensive rebounds, we're fourth in the league total. So, I think we're actually a pretty decent rebounding team.
0: Yeah, and that's probably because Porzingis is way above his career average, and Luca obviously is a freak. Yeah. So.
1: Uh, now points in the paint, um, where do we rank with that one? We're 17th, so we're a little bit on the 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 bad side. But I, and think I think a that, lot
0: of that's Porzingis not being himself
1: in the beginning, but you see even the change with him lately. Yeah. Um, really, the last ten games, as far as defense, he's been really good. But yeah, that's also a factor. Porzingis is a really good rim protector. He's just not. Porzingis yet.
0: Well, I was talking about the points in the paint. How we're whatever you said 17th Not point seven- uh,
1: defensively. Oh, I yes. see what you mean. We're seventeenth, okay, yeah. so we're on the the lower end. Um, you know, we allow forty eight points per game in the paint, and the Milwaukee Bucks are number one in the league at forty. So it's not like it's a huge mm. gap. Okay. So I don't know if we need either one of those. To me, the the way the roster is set up is the way it needs to be set up with. Uh, the athletic wing, two-guard, Tim Hardaway. The defensive three-and-D guy, Dorian. Yeah. The four-spacer, Porzingis, and then the rim-roller in Powell. Those are the right kind of the, players. The
0: structure is there.
1: Just the upgrade of them. Yeah. To me, the biggest upgrade you can have is that three-guard spot, Dorian Finney-Smith.
0: Yeah, I agree. And that's, so, I you know, like that guy saying they need to, a guard that can defend really well. I think you could say, you know, Finney Smith, that spot guard or or forward. A wing. Yeah. This other guy, Carlos. Um, he said the same thing. We um, we still need a three and D guy. And so, like, my first thought was, well, Dorian Finney Smith has actually become a really good three and D guy. I mean, well, he's we, become
1: a good defender. He's still not a good
0: yeah, but three he's, point shooter. He's much better. I feel whenever he shoots it now, I don't. I'm not upset because so, it normally goes in and he's like, I've trashed him a lot in the past, but this year he's grown a lot. And has become a very good three and D guy. That being said, what
1: I think though, what that would put them over the edge as far as championship team or not is you need an elite three and D guy. Yeah. An elite three and D guy is a, a guy that can get his shot off no matter what, whenever he catches and she, even if the defense closes out or like, Clay Thompson sometimes shoots with a guy right there in his True. face.
0: Finney Smith is often wide open. Yes. So.
1: And uh, Tim Hardaway Jr., that's kind of what makes him so valuable within the starting lineup because he can just rise up above the defender and shoot it. Because Tim Hardaway Jr. is very athletic. He's got great size, great length. He's a decent defender. He's not a lockdown defender, but he's a decent he's defender. He's been
0: better lately. Yeah.
1: and uh, But he can catch and shoot with the best of them. Doesn't always make it. But when he's on, he's on, and I feel like Tim Hardaway is going to be one of those guys in the playoffs. If he gets hot in a playoff series, he stays hot the whole series. The next series, he he's might go ice cold. ice cold. But Carlisle's great like at finding Terry. somebody else that that can contribute. Um, so I think, yeah, that that three and D. If you had Clay Thompson at that small forward, to me this this team is a championship team
0: yeah no and somebody else mentioned that i don't have the tweet in front of me but they said add clay thompson to this te- team and their ship and and i was like well yeah obviously i would mm-hmm. love to have clay thompson but they, they just don't grow on trees. that's not happening yeah and so you know that brings the up the other point of like okay so they need a three D guy well, who is that? I mean, who's available? Like you said, these guys don't uh, grow on trees. You can't just go outside and pick one up. So it's like, how many elite 3 and D guys are there in the league? And then second of all, what team would give that guy up? For nothing. Yeah. yeah, Like when you find that you don't really want to give that up. Um, And we can get into trades a little bit later on because there's been some new stuff about Iguodala and Kevin Love, which I know a lot of people have talked about, but But there is that, that a lot of people talked about how they need that, a guard that like a three and D guy, Mm -hmm. um, Peter Hogan at pistol, Pete Hogan, cool name, by the way, um, brought out a good point. He said the Mavs bench is really good, but come playoffs, they won't be able to take advantage of weaker benches because other teams don't play their bench in the playoffs. I think they needed to find a solid third starter or defined sixth man to take the next step. I think in terms of, you know, we're talking about benches and to get off of the 3 and D guy, I think a defined sixth man maybe is more important than a third starter. Like you said, I mean, they have Porzingis. There's no three all-star I mean, teams anymore.
1: Really, you, what your bench does in the playoffs is doesn't doesn't get destroyed while your your stars are yeah. on the bench.
0: And And coaches just don't play. They don't go 9 or 10 or 11 deep mm-hmm. like they do in the regular season. And that's why I think he was saying that a defined sixth man that's like kind of like a sixth man of the year candidate, even if he doesn't win it, is so important.
1: Yeah. So I'm going to throw a name out there. And, throw it and uh, they're a restricted free agent next summer. Now, there's a couple things that have to go the Mavs' way in order for this to work out. Okay. In the past, I was never a huge fan of this person, but is this it year. Is Jason Tatum? No. <laughs> very, very close, though.
0: Oh, I know who you're going to say. Jalen
1: Brown yeah. is a restricted free agent. That's important because they have locked up so much money yeah. on Gordon Hayward and Kemba Walker.
0: Well, some people think Hayward is gone.
1: Well, they would have to trade him. Okay, so then I take Jason, I take Gordon Hayward. Yeah. Um, but let's say so in order for the Mavericks, I believe, to have any money is Tim Hardaway's gonna have to opt out of his contract. That doesn't mean he's gonna leave. He's just gotta opt out. Yeah. The best case scenario for the Mavs is Tim Hardaway Jr. averages 17 points a game this year on pretty decent efficiency on a winning team. He's going to opt out because he's going to get a long-term deal. Yeah. My belief is the Mavericks really like Tim Hardaway. They will kind of communicate with him, have him opt out, and he'll re-sign with Dallas. But what that'll do is once he opts out, it gives them cash to spend in free agency of course, this is freaking fantasy land. The Mavericks never <laughs> sign anybody. But I'm just saying there's a chance they can have some money this summer. Yeah.
0: Do you think so the idea of them getting a more defined sixth man? Do you think that's important? Because right now, who is their sixth no, man? No, I
1: mean, I, I don't think that matters. I, it's just,
0: just having a solid bench, yeah, basically. Yeah, just okay. having a
1: solid team. You know,
0: well, yeah, but I, we're trying to get specific well the bench. Here. Yeah, the
1: bench, yeah, is is important to have, but I don't think you need to have like that six man of the year type of guy coming in. Um, so personally, no, I don't think so.
0: Okay, let me go through um and read some of these other comments. There's a lot of people that, like I said, are saying that they need another shot creator. They need another three and D guy, um, or a wing defender. So a lot of people are saying that. And, and I mean, like, I agree, even though I think Finney Smith has developed really well, um, you have to you need be able elite. to upgrade somewhere. He's <laughs> like, not yeah.
1: he's not elite.
0: Yeah. Um, so so talking more about trades and options, um, triple Doncic at Reginald DeClue One. He said, I'm willing to roll with what we got. Iggy may be a decent pickup, but not sure how he would fit. I think he may be a bench guy who may be a post, a, a spot starter, depending on the team. Only other position I'd look at is rim rolling power forward who can play defense and rebound. He probably is with us on Dwight Powell, uh, but not many of those. Something trailed. Oh, not not many of those yep. players. Yeah. Um. So Iguodala, not sure, not being sure where he would fit. You seemed surprised by that. Well, <laughs> he would take Dorian Finney-Smith's yes, spot. yeah he would. Now, and, and you brought up a good point about Iguodala is that he has the ability to be a playmaker. And I think that's important because a lot of times Finney Smith has to put the ball on the court and it's a turnover. Yeah, and it's a turnover because it's just not his game whereas Iguodala can do that. Well, and
1: that's going to help you also when you play teams that double Luca, you need somebody else that can can yeah. carry the load offensively, yeah. uh, making plays. Dorian can't do that if if Luca gets in a in a tough position and Dorian has to do something, it's usually going to end up in a turnover.
0: Now, on the other hand, Tim Hardaway can do that. He
1: can, but you got to have as many as possible. Yeah, true. You're talking about Andre Iguodala, former All-Star, finals MVP. The dude literally won the finals MVP for his defense alone on LeBron. He is an elite defender, and he is one of those guys that plays better – when you need him to. That's why he's so important. And that's why I think the Mavericks should want him. Whether they're going to get him or not, I don't know. But to me, as much as they love Dorian Finney Smith, Iguodala is just on another level.
0: So, okay. So, first of all, uh, Chris Harrington from the Daily Memphian posted an article talking about uh, potential uh, targets, trade targets for Andre Iguodala. Because the word is, yeah, he wants to go to the Lakers, but there's, or the Clippers. Yeah, yeah, but there's zero chance that the Grizzlies. Good for them. Buy yeah, <laughs> they like. There's just not going to happen. So he he talked about some potential suitors, but like as far as Iguodala on the Mavs, my only concern, and I've said it before, is like one he's older, two he hasn't played this year at all. Um, and then three, does he even want to be here? And I mean, I can we can talk ourselves into like, yeah, why wouldn't he want to be here? But it's like,
1: well, you well, have maybe to ask. He, yeah, yeah. Well,
0: but again, it's like going back to the Rondo trade, which I know we shouldn't talk about. But everyone assumed when he got here, you know, he he was on an expiring deal, so we all assumed like, oh, they must have talked to him and just, and he said, yeah, I want to be here, I want to play. And it turns out that I don't think that actually happened, and so. Like, we can assume, like, oh, yeah, just talk to him. And if he comes here, he wants And it's like, well, that's not necessarily true. He might not want to be here. It's different
1: circumstances with Rondo, though, because Carlisle didn't want Rondo. And he made sure that it didn't work. (laughs) Um, To me, if Iguodala is is good with coming to Dallas, and I think the fact, what helps is that you're third in the West, and you have a budding superstar and you have a really young quality team so he's going to go to the playoffs here with the Mavericks. Um so yeah, you'd have to confirm if he wants to come here or if he'd be willing to come here before you make the trade. You're not giving up anything. I Yeah. I wish we can find a way to keep Courtney Lee and trade for Iguodala, but I understand that's probably not going to happen. Yeah. Um, I just
0: but still he's older and and is he motivated? Okay, and- but
1: you you're trading Courtney Lee you're saying the so, risk is low yeah, enough. Yeah, the risk is so okay. low. Even if he doesn't, he can't contribute anymore. You didn't hurt the team yeah. at all. You didn't hurt the chemistry at all.
0: But what if it does hurt the chemistry?
1: I mean, I don't know how it would, but if, if he comes in and, and is a problem, you just cut him. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't see, it's such a low risk, high reward type yeah. of move. I don't see how you don't do it.
0: So Chris Harrington in this article, he talked about um some of the potential targets the Lakers were on here, but it, you know they, he was like it would have to be probably for Contavious Caldwell Pope and Avery Bradley, neither of which the Grizzlies are really interested. Um, the Clippers could give up maybe Maurice Harkless or Jerome Robinson and maybe a first round pick, but you know, not like a whole lot there, but that is an option. Um, the Mavericks, they have Courtney Lee. Uh, the Warriors' second-round pick, and maybe Justin Jackson. He said they might have to throw in Justin Jackson I, too. I
1: don't do that then.
0: Yeah, so yeah. I mean that's that's part of it. So I like he he gave some scenarios again. That's on the Daily Memphian. If you want to read the article, um, I'm like as far as Iguodala. I like the idea of him a playmaker, an elite defender. He fits right in. But I'm when I look at it realistically. I see other things like his age. Is he in shape? Is he motivated? There's so many things that I'm like, you know, I don't think he would be like that much of a difference maker anyways. Mm -hmm. So it's like, eh. I mean, it's not like we're talking about getting – you know prime Iguodala or Bradley Beal you know it's like so I'm like is it even worth it like should we even that's why
1: you don't give up much for him true yeah um if it's just Courtney Lee and a second round pick I know people are like I don't want to give up my second round pick <laughs> come on this is a second round yeah pick this but it's is a high
0: like, second round it pick.
1: doesn't matter <laughs> like the chances of this person being good
0: or is so remote even making the team yes yeah. or
1: even making the team it's so yeah. remote that uh it's it's not an asset what why the grizzlies oh throw that in there <laughs> why would they even care for, i don't know it's it to me you give them the second round pick yeah. it doesn't serve the mavs any purpose whatsoever
0: so another option or another player that chris mentioned was jay crowder he didn't talk about him really at all. It was sort of just an aside. Like, everyone's talking about Iguodala, but Jay Crowder might also be available. And I kind of perked up when I heard that. Like because He's I've, a
1: Carlisle guy. He's a
0: Carlisle guy. When he was here, first of all, he played like a veteran from day mm-hmm. one. His hustle on defense, he was the only guy that would consistently close out on three-point shooters no matter what. He's tough. I, I mean, love his
1: mindset. Yeah, I love how he's yeah. uh, he's annoying to other teams. He gets in people's faces. I would love Jay Crowder. Yeah. And if I, I would like love Jay Crowder and he's a much better three point shooter than Dorian. And if his defense is anywhere remotely close to what Dorian does, you have to bring him in because that would be I mean, he's not elite, but he's an upgrade at the the small forward position.
0: So yeah, that's and that's that's kind of the point, is like, you know, he's averaging ten and a half points. Um, six rebounds, he's shooting 32% overall on threes, for his career, he's a 34% shooter. So, like you said, it's, well, it's not
1: way better. I mean, uh, Dorian is 29%.
0: For his career, but this year, let me look at his numbers to see what he's shooting from um, from the three point line this year.
1: You also need to look at corner threes because that's basically True. where all of Dorian's threes come from.
0: Dorian is shooting 33% on three pointers this year. He's averaging eight and a half points, five rebounds. So, like you said, Jay Crowder, he is an upgrade, I think, over Finney Smith. But it's not like he's an elite player no now again if you're giving up nothing to get him then what are we even talking mm-hmm. about you know and and not that courtney lee is nothing I, I i hate saying that about players it's not that he's nothing it's just he doesn't play is all and so you're not losing anything on the court in terms of production now courtney lee might bring other things in terms of chemistry that we can't quantify which would that would be the math decision the but, locker
1: room guy yeah, yeah but in
0: terms of just a basketball decision of what you get on the court yeah, Jay Crowder is, he's not elite, but he is an upgrade over Dorian Finney-Smith. Yeah. It's just, it's an idea. It's a thought that Chris brought up, and it kind of it kind of got me interested a little bit. So speaking of trades, the other guy that Maz fans have talked about a lot lately is Kevin Love. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot has been written about him. There's an article on The Ringer, I think it was Kevin O'Connor, that wrote about um, a lot of trade scenarios, but one of them involved Kevin Love um Brian Winhorst on his podcast the Hoop collective they also talked about Kevin Love recently uh, it's pretty it's known that he is available and mm-hmm. and Mavs fans have talked about him now there was a Brian Winhorst on that podcast they brought up a good point um, like you have to don't just think about current Kevin Love 2019 2020 you have to think about Kevin Love in 3 years because His contract is just getting started. And so if you get him now, you're not just getting, you know, 30-year-old Kevin Love. You're also going to be paying him $30 million when he's 33, 34 years old.
1: Yeah, but, you know, I I love how players (laughs) decline quicker and quicker every year.
0: Well, but he also, he has had injury problems.
1: No, I'm not saying, with Kevin Love, I I think you could make an, an argument for that, but A player is still really good, even at 33 and 34 years old. Well, yeah. It's usually after that is when they start to decline. So you're still getting three, four really good years of Kevin Love.
0: But it's the contract still.
1: The contract sucks. It's $30 million a year. And uh, for the Mavericks, I would love Kevin Love. (laughs) I don't want his contract.
0: Yeah. And that's... Part of the problem is like, you know, the uh, they were talking about how Cleveland is going to see it as they're doing this other, their trade partner a favor by giving them Kevin Love, this stretch four guy that can get rebounds like nothing else. You know, they're going to think he's they're an doing... an excellent
1: shooter. Yeah. But the, the other team
0: is going to think that they're doing the Cavs a favor by taking that $30 million off of the Cavs books. And so it's like, you know, yeah, he he kind of is an asset as a player, But at the same time, that contract is so big that Mm -hmm. the Cavs might think that they could get a lot for him, but in reality, they probably won't.
1: To me, uh, no. And
0: I don't even know if Kevin Love fits in with what the Mavericks want. I think
1: that you could make it fit. I mean,
0: but can't? I mean, think about—he would probably fit into where Dwight Powell plays. He just
1: played the five, yeah.
0: And I mean, look at what Dwight Powell does. He's a rim roller. I don't know if Kevin Love is that kind of guy right now but or was such, he ever
1: but he's no but he's such a good shooter you're still going to get that floor but spacing. they don't but
0: uh, they don't use powell for um for you shooting. make it work
1: i mean you're, you're talking about a champion a multiple time all-star you you're you're, you're making an argument for dwight powell over kevin love no, well, if you take out no. the offensive system yeah. that the mavericks run just take that out of it who would you rather have, Dwight Powell or Kevin Love?
0: So right now...
1: There's no argument. Kevin
0: Love, but he's 31 years old. Okay,
1: but you still got three... He's not going to die <laughs> in, in three years. He's still so, going to be a really good player. You're, you're getting him at the end of his prime, not out of his prime.
0: My other point, like, about also the injury problems are real. Like, last year he played 22 games, year before that, 59, year before that, 60. So, I, I mean, get, it, yes, it's real. I get the
1: injury problems. Like I said, I would love the player Kevin Love, I do not want the contract. Yeah. So, but, I think the Mavericks will not do anything. I don't think so
0: either. And that. and that was kind of my point about the way that they use Powell and the, their offensive structure. No. The thing is, like, you can't throw that, that out the window. That's clearly how Carlisle wants yeah. to play.
1: But I think if, if let's say Donnie was like, I don't care, Carlisle, I'm getting Kevin well, Love. Well, then that's
0: Rondo all over again. No, no, nah. no, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, that's Carlisle exactly Carlisle never liked
1: Rondo to begin with. Yeah. So,
0: so if Carlisle doesn't. But does I some... think
1: he at least likes Kevin Love as a person. How do you not? Yeah, true. Anyways, the Mavericks aren't trading. I I, I think you're the better off is, going after. The point is, I'm right <laughs> and you're wrong.
0: Um, couple of, so some other guys um, that were mentioned in this article, other than Kevin Love, who a lot of people think might end up with Portland, uh, Robert Covington, not necessarily Ooh. linked to the Mavs, yeah. but you know, um,
1: if if we could get him, obviously, I would I would love to have him.
0: Uh, also, so the Thunder have made it apparent that Chris Paul, Danilo Gallinari, and Stephen Adams are all available. Now, again, Kevin O'Connor he didn't directly link them to the Mavs, according to his mm-hmm. sources, but they are all available. And he said that the Thunder would be willing to take long-term contracts. This isn't necessarily like just dumping players and dumping well, salary. Like if they can exchange that for value or or young players, I think players, it's more
1: younger players and then it may be long-term deals but not 30 million dollars well no yeah yeah but um, it, but it's
0: not like they want picks and expiring contracts like they would do a, a normal straight-up trade like you yeah. do
1: personally i love stephen adams i would love to have stephen adams um i don't know how much the mavericks like stephen adams but uh to me that would be a, a great fit he is a rim roller he is a rim protector he's a A dog, you know, he's that dirty, you know, does the dirty work type of guy. I'd also like to try Danilo. Bring him in and have him play the small forward. Now,
0: the only thing is your defense would go way down. Who's to say,
1: you know... Have we even looked at Gallinari's defense? I mean, we're saying that because he's European. He's automatically not a good defender. No, I mean, they
0: talked about it in this episode uh, that I was listening to of the um, Hoop Collective is when you watch him, he's kind of stiff. He doesn't move very well on the defensive Mm. end. So, I mean, I, I haven't looked at the numbers, but just based on that report, I assume yeah. that their defense would struggle. Um, but, I mean, I would like to have Danilo Gallinari. I just the defense kind of worries me. I would also love to have Steven Adams. And talking about the Mavericks' offensive structure, I think Steven Adams fits that mm-hmm. more than a guy like Kevin Love.
1: Yeah.
0: Now, I mean, like I said, none of those guys were linked to the Mavericks, but they are available. Um, some other guys that are available, DeMar DeRozan, Rudy Gay, and LaMarcus Aldridge, they're not available yet, but... Everyone kind of assumes either one or all of them. Well, I can tell you,
1: available. I don't have any sources.
0: <laughs> Your sauces.
1: I don't have any sauces, but DeRozan's getting traded.
0: Why do you think that?
1: He's a free agent at the end of the year. He ain't re-signing. He ain't <laughs> letting them lose tonight. He ain't re-signing with the the Spurs, and I think the Spurs probably know that. I think he's gone. So I think he will be traded.
0: Why don't you think he's re-signing with the Spurs?
1: I don't... You know, I, I just don't think...
0: Uh, you just have a feeling. Yeah.
1: I, <laughs> I don't think the Spurs are that good. Um, I don't think he wants to be in San Antonio.
0: I don't think LaMarcus Aldridge wants to be in San Antonio. No, I don't think Aldridge fits the Mavs, really. No, 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 no. Um, well,
1: I mean... Yeah, I mean, maybe. Maybe, yeah.
0: At the, the five. It would have yeah, to be the five. Yeah, he would five. have to play the five, which yeah. is kind of what he plays anyways. Yeah.
1: Um, Do you take a chance at putting DeMar DeRozan as your three?
0: No, because he can't shoot threes, and that just doesn't fit. But he's a free agent, Yeah, and
1: you only give up Courtney Lee in a second-round pick.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I I think that spot, it's been settled. It has that the three has to be able to shoot three-pointers. I mean, so much so that they took a guy who was literally one of the worst three-point shooters <laughs> in the history of the NBA and were like, no, you're going to learn to shoot threes. Yeah. And they made him into... Like, it's, it's so much of a defined role. That mm-hmm. guy has to be able to shoot threes. And nah, I DeRozan you. just yeah. doesn't fit that. Now, um, Kevin O'Connor in this article on The Ringer did bring up some guys that have sort of kind of been linked to the Mavericks a little bit. Um, Davis Bertans or Bertans. Ooh, take him in a heartbeat. Yeah. Um, Marvin Williams, J.J. Redick. Now, Redick isn't exactly available, but he said, you know, because the um, Pelicans are struggling, they may look to move him for something else. Andre Guadalla, obviously, and Marcus Morris. Since the Knicks are a mess, um if somebody else takes over they might look to kind of move these guys that might have a little bit of value so like none of those that's not how the rumor mill is starting and those teams Mm -hmm. are talking but it's just things he's kind of heard that the mavericks might be interested in them or maybe those players are a good fit for the mavericks so i mean and i like all those guys i'm not gonna like i don't even know if i want to talk about that very much because it's not even a really deep rumor right now but it's a list of guys that he found to be kind Mm -hmm. of connected to the mavericks Um, but honestly my thing with trades right now and and again like a lot of people said on twitter i'm just so afraid to mess with the chemistry and it's like i know they're gonna have to at some point because you can always get better and you can't be afraid we were talking about this the other day together like so much through history you see teams that they have a strong core And it doesn't work. They're not really... They win, but not in the playoffs. And there's a clear weakness, but the core is so strong and they've invested so much, they don't want to ruin that core. And it's like, yeah, but you have to. And so, like, for the Mavericks, I don't want to ruin the chemistry. I don't want to mess it up. But at the same time, you can always get better. And if there's a move that makes you better, you got to do that.
1: If you're going to keep Luka, you got to win. Yeah. And, uh... You know, even though he gets attached to his teammates, he's 20 years old. He'll move on. (laughs) Seriously, he'll figure it out. And then 10 years into the league, it's just business is the way it is. Yeah. But if you bring in guys and you win championships, you're going to keep them. If you don't, because you really like Dorian Finney Smith and you never win, he's going to leave. Yeah. So to me, you got to always improve. And that's why I'm a big guy for the Iguodala trade. It's such a low risk, high reward trade that I I would make that in a heartbeat.
0: Yeah. So anyways, those are, those are some trade rumors and our thoughts on trades. Um, And again, our thoughts on if the Mavs are a championship team, you can tweet us again, your thoughts on that and what you think of those trade options. Um, The next thing I want to go into talking about the Mavs being a championship team. We still kind of are early in the season and They have been tested some, but the rest of this month of December, they are going to be tested a lot. Mm -hmm. They have a brutal schedule. So I want to share a tweet from Bobby Kerala talking about the Mavs final 10 games of 2019. So um, only three of those 10 will be played at home. Seven of the 10 are on the road. Seven of those uh, games will come against current playoff teams. Six will come against teams with top eight records in the league by win percentage. Two will be played outside the U.S., which when you think about it is also brutal. And then as far as travel, they'll play as far east as Philadelphia and as far west as San Francisco. So it's a ton of travel, a ton of road games and elite competition.
1: Yeah, I don't think they are going to do very well. During this ten game stretch, yeah, and I know a lot of people might panic because they aren't winning as many games. It looks yeah. like they're taking a step back. I don't think that's the case. I think once you get through this stretch of games, then you can breathe and, yeah. and get back to to normal basketball. But I mean, you're you're after the Pistons game tomorrow in Mexico City. You have Miami at home, on the road in Milwaukee, Boston at home, on the road at Philadelphia on the road in Toronto, Spurs at home, on the road Golden State, on the road Los Angeles...
0: On the road, Oklahoma City. On the road,
1: Oklahoma City. Yeah. And then you go into January, which looks really nice. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) January, you have Brooklyn at home, Charlotte at home, Chicago at home, Denver at home, Lakers at home. Golden
0: State on the road. You have a six
1: game homestand to start out the month of January. So, I
0: mean, it'll balance out. But like you said, in the the rest of December, they face the best of the East the Sixers, the Celtics, the Bucks, the Raptors. These next 10
1: games, it's a win if you go 500.
0: Yeah, and I, I think, know
1: that sounds terrible, but if you go 500, that's a win.
0: You have some games that I think at this point we we can say they should win these games. So Oklahoma City, Golden State, um, Detroit, those games I think we you have conf- to yeah, win. Yeah. Yes. No, I mean I'm not gonna be like arrogant and so like yeah we're gonna win those. But as far as their record, they are better than mm-hmm. these teams. So that's three games that they should win. Miami, that's a close one. They're very close Miami to Miami scares them. me. Yeah. I,
1: I think Miami is... A, that's not a guarantee win there.
0: And then... Um,
1: Milwaukee on the road.
0: Yeah. Which, San Antonio, I mean, I would say that's a win. That's a win, yeah. Yeah.
1: But the the Bucks and the Sixers on the road, both of those teams are unbeaten at home. Yeah. Now... At some point they're gonna lose they're gonna lose yeah. at home. So you're well, just Bucks, increasing your percentages yeah. <laughs> or your chances of yeah. of winning on the road in those games, but that Bucks game is probably a loss.
0: Well the Bucks have won like fifteen games in a row. Again, now. also you're, you're beneficial to you because to you're yes, yes, your yeah.
1: percentages. You you know, very few teams have gone on a run that long.
0: Yeah. So uh, I think there's four games that you can say they they should win or they have the ability to win, which means that they have to come out and play hard and win those games. That leaves six games that are could be anything. Now, the only game that I think is like, okay, I think we can win that is probably the Lakers just because they've beaten them twice already. I don't care what yeah, the record says, yeah, yeah, yeah. but they've beaten them twice. Um, so that's another one you could say. But again, the rest of them...
1: Also, the Heat in Boston, uh, the Heat and the Boston Celtics are not as good on the road. Oh, okay. They're really good at home. They're not as good on the road, and uh, so you're getting both of them at home. Yeah. So, you know, you you gotta any of your home games. I think you gotta win, and then you gotta try to steal a couple on the Some road. Of those, yeah, the ones I think you can steal are the Lakers, Sixers, or Raptors. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's a tough schedule. Like I said, if you go five and five, or even four and six, if you get out of this stretch of ten games at twenty and thirteen as your record. Mm-hmm. You gotta be happy with that. I know you're gonna probably fall or we're gonna fall in the the standings, but that's gonna resolve itself once we get into yeah. January and get out of this stretch of games.
0: So, you know, going back to how good is this team really? Are they a championship team? I think this stretch will again, it'll tell us something. Not not that they're gonna go, you know, seven and three or eight and two, but if they go five and five, I think it's like, okay, they're a yeah. good team. If they go three and seven I then, don't
1: think that even says anything. Uh, the, it's not just I mean, the games. It's not just the teams they're facing. It's the, the travel, the yeah, and the amount of games in such a short period of time. Like, it's a lot to ask of any team to come out of this like, oh yeah, we're gonna win it all. You know, it's yeah. Like even if you struggled through this stretch, it, to me, it's more of a factor of the schedule.
0: So than, what what would you say would be like? Oh wow, that they did really bad and they're not as good as I thought they were.
1: Well, I mean, if you lose to Detroit and you lose to the Spurs and to the Warriors.
0: And then, I mean, I I don't know, I I guess, I guess
1: uh, to me, four and six would be worst case. You know, if you, if you do three and seven, then it's bad. But again, I don't know if I'm even panicking just because (laughs) of the, it's not just the, the level of competition it's the travel. Yeah. And uh, it's so much to ask for for a team to just go in and and do seven and three against the best and traveling 5000 miles. Um, So even if
0: they went two and eight, you wouldn't be concerned. I don't
1: know. I mean, I I guess it would be interesting if if, what if you lost three of them by last second shots? You know, it's it's so much to consider. Yeah. uh, With that.
0: I feel like you're only saying that because you don't have a lot of confidence, and so you're just trying to convince yourself that you're okay with it. Well, I am.
1: I am okay (laughs) with it. I am okay with whatever their record out of this. I've never seen a schedule like this before. I've never seen the amount of travel that a team has to do in a 10-game stretch.
0: Well, especially when you think about before the season started, everyone thought the Spurs would be, would be good. Everyone thought the Warriors would be good. Imagine if they were. Yeah. I
1: have never seen a stretch of games this difficult before. They literally are going on a tour yeah. of, the, of the best teams in the
0: league. Yeah. It, and The only thing that I can think of is the lockout year. They had a stretch of nine games and 12 nights. Yeah. And That's that what was, this feels like, yeah, And and yeah. they went
1: like three and six or something. I don't remember,
0: but I think I remember their goal was just to get 500, through it. yeah. yeah, well, yeah just, well, yes, just, just to, to, to get do it. Just and to in play my the games. The, when
1: I look at this schedule, I just, just get through it, like yeah. honestly, it's, to it's where you
0: still like each other. It's so ridiculous. No one of a gets schedule. injured as long as you come out of it, you still like each other, no one gets injured, and all of that. Then, I mean, okay, so I'm gonna pick a record. I would say if they go. 5 and 5. I I expect 5 and 5. If they go 4 and 6, I'd be disappointed. Anything lower than that, 3 and 7, 2 and 8, I'm like, okay, this is fine. They're not as good as I thought they were, but okay, I understand. But I would be disappointed.
1: I don't I mean, I don't know if we're understanding or fully comprehending <laughs> yeah, but you, I mean, the you, way this schedule looks.
0: No, I know, but I mean, you got to win games. Yeah,
1: but you're asking a team to go from Milwaukee back home to, for Boston, all the way to Philadelphia, all the way to Toronto, then all the way back to Dallas, and then all the way to San Francisco. <laughs> and and to yeah. be fully energized. Then, we saw what they looked like against the Kings yeah. after they had played, what was it, four games in seven nights or something I like think that? so, something like that. Uh, you just get, you're just tired. Yeah. And it doesn't mean you're not as good as these teams. It's just, they've been at home for four weeks and you've been traveling across the country. We're going from freaking Mexico city all the way up to Toronto.
0: No, you're you know? going from Mexico city back home.
1: Yeah. But you know, so my know point is yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's such a bogus schedule that I'm like, I'm kind of like that season where j- just get through it. I don't care what happens. Just get through the schedule. And then in January, you got that six-game homestand against a bunch of garbage teams. Yeah, you know.
0: My only concern is if they go, if their record through this stretch is really bad, then you're talking about dropping way down. Yeah. In the standings, I,
1: they're gonna drop in the standings. But I mean,
0: like to eighth or maybe. Well,
1: no, I mean. I mean, they would have to lose
0: ten games.
1: They'd have to lose all of them in order to fall all the way to eighth. It's possible. No.
0: Anyways, that's yeah. that's my other concern is just they're gonna that. drop. Yeah. They're gonna
1: drop. It doesn't mean they're gonna stay well, down. Even if they go
0: five hundred, I think yeah. that probably means they drop. So.
1: Yeah. At least a couple of, of positions. The
0: moral of the story is that the rest of the schedule for December is a total crapshoot. It's the worst schedule I've ever seen. So like, maybe we should prepare ourselves now for just how whatever bad things happen, don't be upset. N- Don't freak out. That's what I'm saying. Yeah.
1: Prepare yourselves. This is the worst schedule I've ever seen for any team to ever have to go through in my life. So
0: if after a game, I hear you talking about how Carlisle needs to whatever. Carlisle
1: gets a free pass in these next 10 (laughs) games. Carlisle gets a free pass. He gets a free pass. Okay.
0: So, um, yeah, that's the schedule for the rest of December. And we'll see how they come out of it. Um, Yeah, I'm not looking forward to it. But anyway... That's the episode. Thanks, guys, for listening. You can share your thoughts on all of these on the trades. If the Mavs are a championship team, they're scheduled for the rest of December. Let us know what you think. Remember, you can tweet us at Dallas Hoopscast. I'm at underscore Sydney Myers. Marty is at Martinell Myers. And you can listen to, to new episodes on DallasHoopsCast.com. That's it for us. Thanks, guys, for listening. And we'll see you guys in the next episode. Bye.